curating is a space of war making through the possibilities of the relationship that are open by the artists and the art, but also by the public that engage with. And it's very, very much a collective project. Very, very much. No? Uh, I'm just part of it. No, I'm just another player in the game. Welcome to Creativity Pioneers, a podcast by the Moleskine Foundation that aims to spark dialogues and reflections on how creativity is understood and talked about, showing us its use for positive personal and social transformation. I'm your host, Adam Asanne, Moleskine Foundation CEO. Please subscribe now to our podcast on the platform of your choice and tune in for new episodes. I look forward to reading your thoughts and comments on our social media channels. I am joined today by Elvira Diangani-Ose, the new director of the Museum of Contemporary Art of Barcelona. In the past few years, Elvira's unique gaze and practice made her one of the most influential art curators internationally. And now, as the first black person and first woman to lead the most important contemporary art museum in Spain, she is pioneering the ongoing transformation of European cultural institutions. In this crucial role, and in her own words, she strives to make everything institutional around art invisible, for that is what we owe to its beauty. The three words that she decided to share with us today are history-making, togetherness, and relation. Enjoy the conversation. I was actually thinking, I never asked you when and how all this art stuff started. <laughs> when it started, it's a funny story. So it starts, I had a feeling that I had explained this story many times, so forgive me. <laughs> oh, really? I, oh, I was some... the only one who didn't have it. Then. <laughs> no, because you know what happened... It's so interestingly enough, the only thing that I was sure when I was 16 is that I wanted to be a writer, right? Uh, I wanted to write, I love reading, and, and I thought that, and I used to write poetry when I was 14. I, I did this uh, mystery novel also when I was 15 on the holidays with my dad. Um, and I have like my Olivetti. <laughs> I have an Olivetti machine. So I, I still have that little a little book with, um, you know, like square uh, page. And um, it, it's a funny one. I'll, I'll show it to you when we see each other next. Um, and, and so I wanted to write and, I, and I, I wanted to become a writer. And I was told at the time that I, if I wanted to become a writer, I should learn to write. And, and then perhaps I should do, you know, journalism or communication or, uh, or maybe even like starting to read in literature, no, there was something like philology here, something like that. And, and I applied to go to Barcelona. So I wanted to go to Barcelona because that was the, where I wanted to spend my college years. And the funny thing was that I wasn't, 
I, I was in such a hurry to leave Gran Canaria, where, which was where we were living at the time. I needed to find my own space, no? my, my place of nurturing. My, I wanted to leave my family for a while. Right? Like it, was so, it was so heavy loaded, not the life that we had lived years before. And I felt like I needed to go to um, on my own. So I wanted to leave before. So I said to my family, I leave the year before. Um, it's better because I will learn Catalan and I'll be in Barcelona already. And it was a, a, year, a very high year. <laughs> was a very year for me. Because, of course, Catalan was much more difficult than I thought at the beginning. Um, I learned it very quickly. But, the, but you know, it's like the, the whole going there, missing my family, missing my friends. Um, and I did the year, so it was called CO here, C-O-U, uh, and it was a pre-university year. And, and I had, I think at the time, my uh, um, the, the average of my uh, qualifications were, you know, say B plus, like not the highest, but like one below the highest, it was okay. But it was such a hard year that uh, that my my uh, my uh, grades were very bad. Um, and and when it was time to enter into the the school of communication, I didn't have the the grade that you needed. So it's okay. They said to me, my second choice was art history because I thought I love art and and it's also a way to learn how to write about something, no. Uh, and and so I started that year uh, thinking that I would change to communication school the following year. Uh, and then I met this group of uh, students and these professors that wanted to work with art in the in the in the university. You no, know? like that we work with artists, we're real artists. We didn't have fine arts um, department in Autonoma. In Barcelona, this was a university that was far away from the city. It was the first occasion for me to live in a in a college, uh, um, uh, what they call it, village, no, the Villa Universitaria, uh, and and it was exciting because all of a sudden I had to, um, I was confronted with um, a discipline that I begin at the beginning I thought I wouldn't like. Uh, but with the prospect of what the discipline offer as a profession, because uh, within the space, no, we the, 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 the it was a space called uh, curatorial group, no, called space B five which was the number of the classroom where the music uh, class was happening. And also it was the biggest space upstairs and sometimes was used, particularly in the 70s, during the uh, what it was called the, the conceptual Catalanism movement. Uh, some exhibitions used to happen. And the same professor, Teresa Kahn, said, I want to... Uh, create a reenactment or an iteration of that group, uh, and I want to invite people in the class to do it. So my classmates were doing the whole year while I was like uh, morning because I couldn't enter in communication school, and I was oh no, this I don't like this professor or that thing. Um, and I used to go and read outside in the like uh, Autonoma in Bellaterra is amazing. It has an incredible campus. I think it's one of the most beautiful campus uh, here in in Barcelona. No? And, 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 I, and I joined the group a little bit late that year, but it was extremely excited because all of a sudden I realized that I could write about art, that could not only uh, sort of like dwell into history, you know, which was like what for me the discipline signified at the beginning, you not know, history of art, like you are 
you know, had to go through these canons and learn uh, these, um, these sort of like the, 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 the art that comes from these epistemological, uh, no, convoluted uh, histories uh, and, and knowledges. But no, no, it was, it was more to talk to artists that were struggling like you with perhaps their own choice of being an artist. And that have decided to engage um, with art as a way of saying something to the world. And that was their way of writing. And, and, and then curating became my way of writing because out of my conversation with them, I learned so much about not only what they were doing, but the importance of the institutions that were supposed to host them, no? whether they were private or public, they play a role in their life as much as they were playing in mine. No? To create really, you know, the, to, we, we needed to almost like um, request from the scene no? to really be uh, committed to a certain, not only the counterculture, but also to, to create a spaces where there were a counterculture to respond to. No? And at the time it was, uh, you know, this is the, uh, 91, 92, um, uh, this is the Barcelona of the pre-Olympics, no? This is the Barcelona of the big installations. The Malva was just years ahead to be uh, to be built. Uh, the Again, no? The, the Casa La Caritat, where the CCCB was also uh, um, uh, hosted, uh, was also being refurbished to in order to not only propose um, debates and, and, and the state of the question around culture, but also to host this, uh, this collective. No? And interestingly, you know, one of the first essays that I remember writing, actually I, I talked to two groups and they were both artist collectives. And I don't know if it was because of the conversation I had with them that that somehow um, have led me to think about the agency of the collective, no? Uh, there are other things, of course, that we can talk later on that has to do with that, no? Like the agency of the individual and the agency of the collective and how that plays a role within Africanness, no? Particularly when you think about the the contemporary uh, African, but African subject. But but for me, it was that moment of, of engaging with them, that moment of thinking about, oh, we are a collective curatorial group uh, that want to do things to change the world, to change our own university because we didn't have final there, but we're studying uh, um, our history, no? And claim the presentness of the discipline, no? That the discipline wasn't just something abstract that you were seeing in books or or um, or you were being taught by uh, professors, but the thing that you could also inquire yourself, no? Through your relationship with it, through your perception with it, through the conversation that you established with the people that had generated that. And, and, and all of that, like meeting the artists for me at that time, no? and the artists and the artists collecting signify a way, you know, like it, it all of a sudden became this open world. No? And, and, and also, so I have, uh, I, I own to Teresa Gams in that uh, moment, not only to, to, to teach me what curating could signify for me as a, as a tool, but also to think about Africanness, because of course she asked me, you know, will you study African art since you have this provenance? And I was like really upset with her question while um, years later, I understood that 
this somehow it was almost like a reverse psychology, right? Like she uses on me. And all of a sudden I could use what I was doing to actually enter into um, into the the, the 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 realm of art and the Africanness of the African art in, in my own terms, no. And and the other person that was really crucial in this sort of like first year was um, uh, first or second year was uh, uh, Mikel Moulins, which uh, interestingly enough was also one of the first directors of the MACPA. And, and, uh, and Mikel was teaching us um, a, a course on criticism. And, and he, uh, I, I, I wrote this, uh, so see, he, he asked us to write an essay um, and I decided to write 11 little essays, short essays to him where I was doing a comparison between um, a, a glossary of terms no? uh, that are typical in ours and how then the, um, the popular culture have, um, have taken them no? almost like as, as, a, as a way to transforming them into something else. No? And I was doing this gesture um, and now I'm thinking about it now. It's like, oh my God, this, these three things have led my life, no? working with collective thinking about case studies or terms that, that somehow help me you know, to understand a, a specific context, no? because context for me is crucial. And again, no, this, this relationship with the art or the artist, this, dia- this constant dialogue with the, with the figure of the artist, with the individual behind that figure. No? Um, and that's how art started. <laughs> with no, that's, that's actually very interesting and beautiful. And I think you know, there is this this connection that um, often the arts, as you said, is is considered mainly a theory, as a, a theory, you know, as something like, you know, outside, you know, of us, and and you know, and and without thinking often that any theory that I have no application or any theory cannot be explained uh, and it cannot be concrete uh, is a useless theory. So, I like the idea that that it's very interesting for me, and it makes a lot of sense knowing you that. Everything mm-hmm. starts from people, you know. Yes. <laughs> and, and but in all this, you know, I often say is that um, to a certain extent, the arts, the arts, creativity, um, culture saved my life uh, mm-hmm. you know, to an extent. So I'm kind of wondering from you as in terms of your personal. Um, growth and especially mm-hmm. um how how like you know little Elvira you know with, mm-hmm. with with everything that a young person need to go through with everything especially I would say that a young person need to go through also that are in between languages cultures experiences where um often like you know part of 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 your identity or her identity, our identity was not represented or was underrepresented, and all that struggle mm-hmm. that is in between being a kid and also like you know uh, being part of a minority and is also being part all that complexity. How what was the role that the arts and culture played in this? Mm. Now that's a great question because the thing is that. For many of us, we do not realize how much we are subject of a postcolonial 
theory, no? Like uh, how much we are post-colonial beings, no? What that? What is that anyway? No? And in particular, we don't. We we we. Uh, there is a part of of what we do as professional, no? And that's why my emphasis on the person behind the figure of something, right? The person behind the director, the person behind the curator, the person behind the artist, right? Because there is something, as you said, that for me was critical, which was also to realize that I was the absent character in all these cultural events or museums, exhibitions that we used to go when we were little, no? And how much uh, that affected me to grow in a particular way is only something that you I, I can refer to or I can uh, make sense of uh, later on, no? Like when, when you are an adult and you start like putting things together, no? You can only uh, feel the dots, no? Looking backwards. Uh, and, and there is something about that, um, about being in Spain, particularly being born in the 70s, being a child of the, no, the, 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 the Dardo Franco era, no, the, uh, being in a moment where, you know, uh, both perhaps, you know, like the, the, let's say the Equatorial Guinean episode uh, in relation to, um, to Spain, no, is the last, the very last, Colony, no, uh, and 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 is the certainty also of that moment of imperialism being over, no? and and what it meant uh, for certain communities to be part of that, but being unrecognized as part of that, no, like uh, there is something very pernicious, I think, about uh, historical discourses sometimes, no, when when uh, when people tell you the history of Spain, the way in which that history. Uh, explain nowadays doesn't take into account my being a Spaniard that is also part of a narrative that you don't want to recognize. And, and all of this is a heavy loaded thing, as you said, um, when you grow up because you you don't realize why the things come. Like it could, it could be as simple or, or sometimes it's as simple of uh, to say, you know, is, is, is race, right? Like race is what uh, what creates the different race is what makes um, your understanding uh, uh, of of my life or me being a character different than you is because it's so evident. But the rest of the things that has to do and, and that I'm not saying that this is no social, but but really when you are confronted with somebody in the street or or somebody, there is all of that is social, but it's also you and me, our bodies confronted in the issue of race. Is, is what is coming up to the conversation, right? But everything else that made this race an issue is not talked about, right? So for instance, I remember, no, like uh, my mother would never uh, um, uh, let us watch Roots, no? So we will be in the streets and somebody will say, Kunta Quinte, and you will not know what they're talking about, right? But there is, and, and no, a popular understanding of race that was immersed in the dialogue that that person had with me and all the stereotypes that they had uh, created and, and, and generated uh, uh, surrounding that imaginary were confronted with who I was, first and foremost, not a man, not a black man in the, no, in the, in the uh, uh, enslavement, uh, in the American enslavement. Uh, and 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 then, and there is this um, this uh, refusal, no, 
of wanting to see who I am for myself that also generate no, these, these dialogues or this engagement with um, Gograda Quilomba called no micro racism of every day. And, and so, so for me, it was, there, was, there was something about that uh, that was there, but but that made me even much more stronger than than maybe I was supposed to be, you know, drawn by that insult. No, that made me believe that they that because I was black, there will be many many in many occasions that people will say something against me that hasn't to do with me at all, no? and that gives you some kind of freedom because once you put that on aside, you have you have a more much more. Um, uh, uh, I think you have a freedom no? to, to operate that um, beyond the prejudice. No? Once you have understood that there are things that doesn't have anything to do at all with you, that has to do with something larger than you, something larger than the other person, but that the other person is incapable to admit it. No? So is that relationship sometimes that for me uh, established um, uh, a, a moment the moment where I that, that I was born, not in a way, no, like the moment that I was born. But the other thing is, and it is beautiful, and I'm trying to do this with my son, no? which is that I always learned that my uh, my living room was um, was uh, bigger than the room that we inhabit, right? That my life was closer to my family in Equatorial Guinea, and that. The limitation of the sometimes this this this, this little thing that short mind mindedness uh, that exists around people uh, that that I was living with didn't touch me because I was you know like my life was bigger than that moment that I was inhabiting. So so that was also very important. No? This 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 recognizing uh, of an accent character. No. Uh, uh, in a in a history in the de deployment of the history into all these sort of like cultural infrastructures, also in the deployment of that uh, history in school in pedagogy. No, uh, I was never told like it was it was no uh, references to the uh, Equatorial Guinea that we need now. It was only the reference to the Equatorial Guinea that somehow belongs to the Spanish history, right? Um, so the and, and and also know that that other part of of like being in a in a place that uh, where my brothers and I and, and and people of our generation we refused to be submitted to the um, the sense of melancholy or nostalgia of our parents for the place the place of birth. Um, and, and and to help them to establish a, a different relationship with that as well. This is interesting because I think there is this this generational uh, element mm. choice that that happened. And I think often, at least for me, the the arts where where I could find the language, and especially when I also to to thanks to the work that that you've been doing for so long. Uh, you know, but also we're not that age and difference, but I think about our older brothers and sisters that that did it before <laughs> us, you know, where you where you find a space where finally you find a cultural product that talks about your experience in a way or another, you know. And yeah, but no, also, no, so the cultural product, also the people that make it possible, because for me it was encountering many, many of these artists. So, so at the end of the day, what happened is that we go through these who who I am, who am I, no? Mm -hmm. uh, each and every one of us, 
right? Uh, when you are a racialized person, you go in a different sense, no? because you are constantly reminded that perhaps whatever you thought you were, you're not. No, because this society is constantly telling you, you know what, you're not a citizen here. You know what, where are you from? You say, you know what, why are you black? You know, all these things. Right? Uh, but then I met all these incredible artists, right? Uh, I remember like there was this show at CCB, which is not far away from where I am now, uh, during the, the project that... Um, uh, Persubiros did here in Barcelona and Simon Yami helped to, I don't know if he helped to curate, but he helped to build. Uh, and we were together in this, uh, and I met these incredible people, no? uh, from Peniciopis to, um, I'm now forgetting many, uh, but you know, like all these African artists, fantastic that we know uh, and we love so much. No? These brothers and sisters that you you mentioned, Alana Sui. Um, I mean, the beauty of that it was that all of a sudden are confronted with the who am I within a context in which the arts provide the solution and the relationship with the arts provides the solution. And this idea of us being in a place that is bigger than us, that, you know, bigger than the, the room you inhabit, bigger than the context where you are. No? And all of a sudden for me, it was like a liberation because all of the, another liberation, no? because all of a sudden um, you are with these guys that are asking the same questions that you're asking yourself and they are responding through the art world. So for me, exhibition making became the way to not only give platform to those works, but also to find a way to write about what I was thinking, you know, about a oneself, quote unquote, that is bigger than me. So there, before you were, you were saying something about, this is clear regarding the way you, um, uh, you, you mold yourself and you keep working on yourself through that. Uh, before you use a, a sentence that to me is very important that you say, I learned how to use the curatorial practice as a tool. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how that happened in a sense of that element of working for yourself, about yourself, and having access to that, to then becoming a generator of uh, mm. of, of, of experiences uh, and uh, and art shows, etc. Mm. I guess, yeah, that's a good because, of course, I mean, that's a good question in terms of like, I don't believe in the singularity of the curator, right? Like, I don't. I think that I I, I guess this is also has to do with my life as a basketball referee. You know, you learn very much. Uh, early on in your life that refereeing basketball is not about judging the game, but interpreting the game. And you are a player that is the one that better knows the rules. So curating for me in a way very, very, I'm, I'm using a lot of philosophy of sport. I, I always loved it because of course, and I always say here, no, when I talk about it here, we, I have my window closed, but if I have it open, you will hear the clack, clack, clack of the of the skaters trying to improve once and once over again their their movement, no? and there is something about that effort, right? Uh, that for me is important. And I see artists' life and artists' world such effort. Artists struggle. Most artists, uh, I think, there are more for there are more good artists and recognized artists that are struggles that than that we think about it sometimes. So anyhow, so curating for me as a tool, right? Uh, it is, it is, it is another way of writing. It is a, is a, is a possible interpretation. Is a, 
is a, is, is a possibility of creating an invisible platform for other things to happen, right? We create the condition of possibility for other things to happen, for the world to be realized um, uh, in a way, in one of its functions, which is to create a relationship with the viewer, but also for the world to realize it on itself, not outside of the context of the worship. And I think I lost my track of what you, what you were asking, but, but I feel like this is for me, curating uh, uh, is not necessarily a tool, an individual tool. It's also uh, the commitment, no? Or the, or the, the, the commitment of curating to the art, no? There is this sense of like what we owe to beauty, what we owe to, uh, to art is to make everything that is institutional around it invisible. So then the, the real relationship for which the art was created can be generated. In any case, an institution should be an echo, a magnetophone, no? like a, re a reference that reverberates that relationship. Um, but, but for me, uh, understanding it as a, as a practice that is uh, open, that allows plurality, that allows um, uh, relationships, no? uh, that allows uh, almost in an archipelag sense of the, you know, the, the, the um, uh, uh, Glissant's notion of the cosmos, you know? like a really is that. I'm working with the collection particularly for me, it refers to that. No, I don't want to do a chronological thing of what happened, which is the standardized way that the canon established no? uh, his narrative. I wanted to do a much more rhizomatic, uh, close to life way of experiencing uh, an art collective that tells you not only about the art and the possible narratives that you can establish about them, but also why the institutions decided that that was the art pertinent to Porsches in the first place. For what reason they wanted to tell that particular story. No? So really curating is, is that a space, um, it's, a, it's a space of war making uh, through the possibilities of the relationship that are open by the artists and the art, but also by the public that engage with it. No? And, and, in, and it's very, very much a collective project. Very, very much. No, uh, I'm just part of it. No, I'm just another player in the game. Who are you creating for? For uh, that's a, that's a funny. I don't know even I will if I will say like that. Who you are curating for? Oof, uh, I'm curating for many things. Uh, I'm curating uh, for. The public for sure, but it's also you curate for the artists uh, and, and you curate for the work. But in all of those, I think you curate for the relationship that are possible because you are curating it. Not that you are the only, um, the, 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 the only, let's say, facilitator of those relationships, but, but if you fail to do that, you are back curating. <laughs> you are back curating. You know what I mean? It's like, um, but I don't want to say, you know, like I, I feel that there is a grandiose gesture of the curating. Like when you say it feels like curating is something above something else, right? Like almost like 
a taxonomic way of saying things, right? And I see much more curating as a storytelling. And perhaps that's also my, my appetite for changing the ways in which uh, formats of curating are made or even the way in which institutions should operate in certain sense. It's, it's a way to also um, tackle no? on, on this vision of a, a curating as a possible overarching astral metaverse, whatever it is, that then makes something possible. I think curating is the last part of a process that starts with a conversation of the artist with himself, with the context uh, of a world with the materials over time and a space of desperation, of intuition, right? And all of that also with hope, right? And all of that come together into a work. And, and then it's up to me in a way very like up to me as a curator, up to us as institution, up to us as a, as a public, right? Uh, to fully appreciate that effort um, in a context which is liberated, not like the white cube is sort of liberated of all these other things that, that made that work possible. No? And, and, and somehow I feel like, hmm, we had to come last, right? Uh, everything else has to come first. And, and, and our role is to make the, all of those things prevail no matter the structure and the definition that people have in their mind about the structure. So what I'm, I'm curating for, for his own disappearance, I guess. I think it's an exciting moment in, you know, in, in, in the market and in, in what is happening. I'm thinking about, uh, you know, right before we were talking about uh, Bonaventure and, and his new role for the first time, other than, if we can I remember, like, especially in Europe, other, other mm. than a brief moment that we're of, uh, of our beloved Okwi, uh, you know, it's the first time that, that you have uh, also people of African descent um, mm. and former racialized bodies that now are heading big institutions. Mm. And, and so I think this is it's quite interesting. You know, it's an exciting <laughs> thing. It's an exciting yes. But there is something also that I'm, you know, there is a, uh, while I was, I was thinking about your, your career, mm -hmm. there is, I divided like into in, in three, in three main sections, all right? There is also listening to you now, you know, there is this first part where there is, you get close into art, where there's a self-transformation, there's a, self, a transformation of the cells and everything becomes personal, personal in the sense that it, it's, it's real, it's not mm -hmm. abstract. You know, and then there is this element of using curatorial practice as as a mechanics, as tools, as ways to say things in the world and 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 establish certain narratives. And then in that in this second phase, you know, there is all the starting also of your career. Uh, you know, also as an independent uh, curator, you know, and as also part of institution. But also, I would say, where if I think about your former work at um, at the showroom, also head of um, smaller organization institution where things can happen mm -hmm. to a certain extent. You know, so on one side, the independent curatorial practice that allow you to to push certain things, and on the other side, that 
role in independent institution that allow you to continue that element. And then we get into the third phase. <laughs> the first phase, and now you are head of an institution institution, like an all <laughs> big, <laughs> a big institution where now we enter in the belly of the beast to a certain extent. <laughs> the sense that a lot of the things that you are, you were worked throughout your career, you know, I thought it was quite interesting by saying that at some point you said, part of my curatorial practice was to get to the answers of the art and make the institution disappear. You know, mm -hmm. and now you, you had an institution. Mm -hmm. How do you interpret this new role? Yeah, no, I, uh, thank you for that incredible journey. Um, it's, it's very interesting because of course, when I was uh, applying to this role, um, and I, I somehow I guess I understood while I was at the showroom that I needed something more, right? Like that the showroom will. Uh, there was a moment where I say I I have this appetite for a bigger platform, but not necessarily for me, but I think for the thing that I consider that had to be in the world. No, again, this let's say the ego of the writer, no, that says this word needs to be listened to or read. Uh, so there is something about that that, I mean, one has to confront. I, I don't consider myself like I'm an egomaniac in any way, but but I feel some of that has to be there, no? in a way, why me and not others, no? Um, which uh, I guess I create a platform for that to happen, no? for others to have a voice. But, but there is something about that moment where I realized that I cannot put my um, desire into a platform like the showroom because it cannot hold it anymore. Like I, I think I, 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 I mean, I could have done a lot of things at the showroom, um, but but there were some that were risking to um, to to betray his own idiosyncrasy, you know. And I was very aware of that. And I say, wait a minute. Now it's not about the institution I'm leaving. It's also about my personal desire of transforming the institution into something else. And there's something else perhaps is not the more appropriate to it. And then I need a platform that allows me to expand in these, um, in these formulations. And then I arrived to the institution, institution, as you say. But when I was preparing for it, I realized that there was a moment where people talked to me about the scale, no? And and I and I and I realized that of course I have worked at the scale of MACBA, uh, at Tate, in uh, the other institutions that I have worked here, no, um, the CAM or, or the Central, the Andal no, the CAM and Central Antico Arte Moderno, or the CAC, Central Andaluz de Arte Contemporáneo, uh, in Las Palmas de Gran Canaria, in Seville, respectively. So, so I knew like the big institution, we have a hundred people working here. So I know that, I know this place. No? But there is something of course that I wanted to preserve there, which was the institution as it was, right? Like the showroom needed to be preserved to certain things against my own desire of, of doing something more. And, and, the, and the feeling here is that I need to reinvented. <laughs> Magba need to be reinvented, no? Uh, Magba need to be uh, to learn of his own mistakes, to learn of his own history, and there are so many things that are great. Uh, apart from my team, for instance, which is great. Apart from also other other issues that have been changing over time, but there is also 
something that affected this institution, which is the fact that it belongs to a history in his own history, where he, and he was in a high, you no, know, in a high uh, wave, in the top of the wave for some time, and then he went to the to the sort of like the plateau, and 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 he forgot that you know surfing is not about just getting the cut the one wave. It's about sustaining yourself, you no, know, against other odds, and and I feel like the here. Um, the vision of, of this institution was the model of the new institutionalization, for instance, right, in the 90s. It was that. It, 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 it was formulated within that context and it generated that kind of project. It did. And, and perhaps what we see now in the Reina Sofia with Manolo, who was one of the leading figures in this museum, is also that the, the, his dream come true, no, of some of the things he dream of in Magba that we have never been able to fulfill within the Magba, and, and, and we cannot be that kind of museum, he has fulfilled at Reina Sofia. And I feel like there is something about that also that us as an institution had to learn. We had to kill the father, as they were saying in, in psychiatry, and reinvent that, that, um, that position, no? that we had to reimagine what is Magba for the future, and what kind of relationship we can establish from this museum to the world, to the immediate world, which is the Raval, but to the rest of the world. No? Uh, because I feel, because I'm here as well in that sense, I, I, my, I was, was born in a house that had a very, very big living room where a lot of things, territories, you know, oceans, uh, we're able to 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 fill in. You know? So the very same way, I cannot constrain myself to just one culture, just one place. Magba had to resonate with what is needed and what make an institution relevant nowadays, which is to be ubiquitous, but also to be able to be here. And and I think that's the key. The key of the like, I'm if if I'm in the valley of the beast, I'm just in the, you know, like the, that, that story of the kid that ended up in the belly of the, of the hump of whale. You know? like, yeah. <laughs> so you, I'm just getting out. And, and probably this is going to end with the whale being transformed into something else. Another being, not necessarily like totally killed, but, but, but necessarily being in something else. And, and, and perhaps the most interesting, and I remember a conversation that we had in London at some point, no? is that, if we make changes into these structures, it has to be for good, right? Like, not necessarily, I mean, I feel like we are in a, we had to assess that institution is in a, a stage of content transformation, but also that we are doing a structural changes that will prevail, even at the time that I'm here, right? Like, I'm not building the period of my directorship, I'm building the magma of the future, whatever the future can be. And there will be somebody else that then will say, wow, in the context and the life we live in now, the magma that Elvira Jangani also built, it doesn't work anymore, let's transform it. And I feel like this is the consequence, but this museum particularly uh, wasn't uh, necessarily uh, uh, engaged uh, or for some time, you know, like leave, let's say the, the fumata no? of, or something that had passed and, and forgot everything that was around it that make it alive and organic and, and contradictory. Because I feel like sometimes you want to be right and the museums are places 
to fail, to fail good, you know, <laughs> and to feel good. <laughs> but there is something about that that I think is very important. And for me, that's the that's the thing. Like I'm so happy here because I think I have the potential, like the, the institution has the potential to become that thing. And it's a thing that I'm not going to define on my own. It's a thing that I'm going to define with my my colleagues. No? And, and we are building this project, uh, El Museo Posible, no? the Possible Museum, um, in which we are going to try to, to also to, to, to analyze, to reflect on what we are engaging with, what we have left behind historically and now, and how we can also bring together the most prosaic aspect of the museum and also these most poetics and bring them together because the previous model has all the possible avenues for the speculative part of the museum. But then the machine that made all those speculations happening were not changing, you know, side by side those discourses mm. so there is a point where those discourses that's you know there are like empty words and and what i want is to bring that those things together and say we have both the discourses and the museum that makes it possible i i used to say and i have been saying in that for a long time and i truly truly believe it that we need to work in the museum as if the world we want to happen has already happened because then we can use this microcosm to um, enhance no? uh, those things that we are asking the authorities to make, that we are asking the public to understand, right? We have to be our own first example, right? We have to be our own case study to transform the things we want for the future. But, but, but not to wait for those things to change somewhere else, start changing here and now. I, I think there is this element that we discussed a little bit about in the past and I think is is quite interesting also that you, you put the accent on that is, it, it goes back to the idea of a theory, you know, or the importance mm-hmm. of a theory that if there's no practicality on it, then it's a useless theory. And I think that, you know, we need to acknowledge the fact that, yes, fantastic, we got Elvira, you know, was heading the, you know, the, the Makba, but there is also... Of not only a cultural challenge, there is an artistic challenge, there is a managerial challenge. Because oh, you, know? you are you are now, you know, uh, the leader of a team of 100 people, you know, you're dealing with processes, you're dealing with procedures, you're dealing with all those, um, you know, also often invisible infrastructures and, and invisible barriers that mm. then end up transforming certain certain ideas into nothing. You know, when there is this idea of like, that's the vision, then you're like, I don't know how, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. this was the result. And, and there are all this. And I think it's quite interesting for me that you acknowledge this challenge because I think often we are, you know, the, the, the public discourse gets so excited about the representation part of it. Mm. And then we forget, okay, now, now the real challenge is happening. Because yeah. you, now you're in a position where you can affect and or potentially dismantle stuff that were supposed to be in place for the next 200 years as it happened, you know, mm-hmm. and, as that. and so I think that that fight and that challenge mm. should have a little bit more 
visibility. <laughs> yes, know? yes. And in fact, the thing that we're doing uh, with the Museo Posible is almost to try to first ask ourselves uh, how to build institution, not to do institution making from where we are, but then also to create moments of um, public discussion where perhaps not having other methodologies in place, we are, we are, uh, 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 we equip ourselves to engage with these managerial challenges. And I feel like it's very important what you have said, no? that at the end, uh, we need to, uh, and, and that's my, my criticism to the, the, no, the, 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 the new uh, institutionality, you know, first, because, you know, we, we are born in that, we, we are, you know, sons and daughters of that moment, um, but also we are the inheritance of that moment, right? Like I, I'm probably in, in, uh, in the time where Magba has his worst budget in the history of Magba. There is a lot of things that happened that are conjunctural. It's nothing about that. But, but we came here to save the institution, right? Which is also very, um, very critical to where we stand. And, and to me, the issue that you were beautifully highlighting around the invisibilities of some of the some of the processes right, that are that are stuck in a way in people's minds sometimes, right? Uh, and it's about uh, and I started my conversation with my colleagues saying, well, what do you want? What kind of museum do you imagine? What are the virtues that a director should have? What are you doing in your role? What is the scope of your role beyond the tasks that your role also develops, right? And it was very interesting because at the end of the day, what I noticed is that in many cases they have never been asked. And that is the key, that, that, that hmm. simple thing is already a critical change. And, and, and start from that, I'm not saying we're going to fulfill all the promises, but I wanna hear, because if I hear and I know, I'm closer to fulfill that promise that I will be if I don't know. So that's the way you start operating. But there is also something that you said, which has to be with the, with theory, you know, there is something about theoretical work, which is the business of art, by the way, right? Like, like uh, an art work is not nothing other than uh, an idea making concrete into a material. But we also live uh, with many situations that are temporary, that are ephemeral, right? And I love that. And sometimes, as you say, no, institutions are here to stay. Museum is and have always been a colonial apparatus. It started like that. It started as a way to limit, together with the census and the maps, the possessions of the others, right? That's that is functional. And as such, collecting is, is like very much of that. No, like I mean, uh, I'm, I ha- I'm, I'm trying to overcome my, my, my worst fears, no? When I'm like, I have to work with a collection, which I love, by the way. It's not that I don't love, but now like somehow I represent that collection as well, no? So, so you had to, in a way, navigate for certain uh, personal community traumas in order to make that another structure, right? And there is a lot about my colleagues that are learning uh, through conversations, right? About how they sometimes are also um, uh, not only stuck in in some processes, but also uh, conceptually (laughs) colonized by them, (laughs) if we can use the word here. There is a, a way of doing that is already inherently theirs. 
And we had to work by this dismantling the, the thinking uh, in the structure, um, both individual and collective, in order to transform the museum. And that I think that's a major challenge. And that's why when you work, or at least when I work, I'll do it from the context and I build with the things that I have. No, I always say to young curators, I say, never fight the architecture you are given to do a show. It's, you know, it's futile, right? It's, you're, going to, you're going to try to hide something architectonic with something. No, no, just embrace it. It's there. You can work with it. You can work together with words that, are, that could be in dialogue with it. It's the same with a, with a museum. It's a structure. I cannot fight for what I have. This is what I have. And then I had to build from here. I had to go from here to whatever I think it will make the museum work in a better in a better rhythm. Very interesting. I think like we have um, we are debating, and I'm debating within myself, and you know, and and uh, with who is listening, and in the podcast that we had, you know, about is it possible to create a. a creative institution like a, or like mm. as Bona, Bonaventure would put it a decanonized mm. institution Absolutely. Um, you know and and I think that um even more today you use you use a, a an idea that that I'm gonna gonna stick with me I, I guess the next question is does an institution have is it possible to to instill to start an, al an alchemic process in an institution? Can an institution transform its nature considering what it was created for? Can we transform copper in gold or in something else, you know, and vice versa, you know? So, and I, and I think that's is, um, I, I think that is the type of questions that, that, that allow us to, to, to move forward, you know, that yes. allow us to challenge ourselves. That allow but the, us but the answer, the answer for me is yes, yes. And a thousand times, yes. I mean, otherwise you and I wouldn't be here, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is the nature of thing. And, and the problem sometimes, I have people here that were working in the museum before this venue was built, right? And I don't know how does it feel to be in a place for so long, right? Like I, I come back to Barcelona and there's people that haven't moved from where they were when I was here. And I don't know what, what it feels. That's and it, feel, it could be fulfilling, right? Like it, I'm not saying I, I, I found uh, pleasure and comfortability in the life that I live as much as I confronted the challenges of those decisions that I made. But I don't know what it feels to have decided to stay. I wanted to stay when I was living here and I'm back. So this is very exciting. But I had to believe that it's possible to change the institution. I had to believe that it's possible that also to transform the institution without really uh, hurting aspects that make the institution what it is, right? There is an idiosyncratic way of doing that needs to be challenged for sure. But there are other aspects of the institution that needs to stay. And I think that's the key, no? Like for me, it's like, but I don't, I'm not going to say that I have all the answer of what the institution is going to be. So we are going to be in this process of the Museo Posible in conversation with all the departments, in conversation with Jais Hernandez Velázquez, no? who, who is a, 
researcher on institutional histories and, is, and was uh, somebody that worked here as a head of public programs and is going to help us to reinvent the way we see ourselves and to imagine together what can we do not to to reconsider all those challenges at a managerial level, a conceptual level, as a human level. No? How can we be um, uh, that kind of situation? But alchemy is what I pray every day to put uh, into the spaces, right? Like there was something, uh, there were a certain like ways of, um, uh, you know, like there was some, some, some signs in the space and some, a reference in the space and I say, can we take this out and put it like all white and exactly as it used to be the Magba I have in my head? Because I want to intervene a Magba in his glorious moment, right? Like I want to uh, cut through the structure and break it through his limit. No, I, I was talking to Pera Portabella, the filmmaker, and he was telling me when we did with Buñuel Viridiana, we impugnate the system for uh, we, we claim our right to implement the systems and the language of cinema, right? And that's what I'm claiming here. I want to implement my right, like I want to have the, the implement the language of museums. I want to have the, the right to challenge the institution and confront them with all this, but not for nothing, like confront itself with its own in a mirror. Like, this is who you are now. Being like this, can you be relevant to the people you're serving? Yes or no? And then let's move on. And let's move on together to transform what you're doing into something that is really, really um, attuned with this time, you know? which I think this is the major issue. But yes, and uh, sometimes yes, uh, institutions need to be changed. Davida, last question. Normally the beginning of the podcast, we ask you three words to choose. That would uh, guide us in the conversation. So it's just you in the end. <laughs> I don't know if I can, if I, I have a question, uh, a words for you because it's like, uh, well, I would say, um, uh, I will, I will try to do uh, composed uh, uh, words. One would be history making. Um, the other one will be togetherness, mm -hmm. uh, and the other one will be relation. Mm. See, if you ask me tomorrow, I'll probably change them. But today, oh. I feel that this is where it goes. <laughs> I think they are good enough for today. Vida, <laughs> thank you so much. It was thank great. Thank you. This was great. Oh my God! Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our new podcast, Creativity Pioneers. If you'd like to check out other episodes and know more about our mission, please visit moleskinfoundation.org. Keep on following this podcast and share your comments on Facebook and Instagram at Moleskin Foundation. Until next time, stay creative.